How are we doing, Flyers Nation? Welcome to The Bright Side. My name is Joshua Bright, and I am joined today by Jim. Jim, how you doing? Doing pretty good, Josh. How about yourself? Doing well, and we're also joined by Gasp, a Montreal Canadiens fan, Marco. Marco, how you doing, sir? Pleasure. Thanks for having me on, guys. How you doing? Doing good. I mean, I imagine you're doing a little bit better than we are. Yeah, I mean, I called the Flyers in six, so it's making me feel doubly better because I hope to be right in my <laughs> prediction. Even though, like, it's my team, I just there's a professional aspect to it that I called that series. Yeah, 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 for sure. But I feel you. This is uh, last game was good because it, it picked up from emotion on both sides. I was pretty pumped, and obviously, with what we're going to talk about today, I think tomorrow is going to be pretty intense as well. Yeah, and I know we're we're all looking forward to tomorrow. Uh, news just came out. You guys were just talking before we started the show. I was unaware. Uh, Matt Niskanen has officially been suspended one game. He's and not cross. He didn't injure Crosby this time. So maybe, maybe yeah, it's Gallagher. I, as a Canadians fan, I will tell you this: it's, it could be superstition, it could be fact to it, but Gallagher uh, does not get away with much, and the refs are pretty lenient on what happens to Gallagher in the playoffs. That being said, I still find this weird. I like it's very awkward as as a Canadians fan talking to Flyers fans about this logistically, but I will say that this could have gone a plethora of ways. It could have gone no games. It could have gone one game. Could have been potentially two or three. Uh, I think this is the safe route, my opinion. A lot of Flyers fans were jabbing, saying only one game necessary to end the series anyway. So I predicted the same thing, so I can't disagree. So <laughs> I'm with you guys. I, I think it's going to be a controversial decision regardless, but it was either one or two games for me anyway. We are, we're a fan base that are used to having our hearts ripped out, so don't I don't know. worry about hurting our feelings. I'm, like We're, we're I'm pretty sorry. <laughs> <laughs> It's impossible to do. Yeah, be um, as opinionated as you'd like to be. We don't mind. Yeah, please. So Niskanen suspended one game. Obviously, we're hearing Gallagher's out for the remainder of the series. Are they thinking yeah. that he can come back later in the in the playoffs if possible? Perhaps. Maybe after the surgery if they wire his jaw shut. Yeah, it's a, it's a peculiar injury. It's an awkward time, so it just doesn't make things easy. It is a shame, I, man, because you don't like to see anybody get hurt and as much oh, as, yeah. you know, he's one of those guys that you, you want to have on your team, but he's a pest when he's not on your team. He's a hell of a player. Absolutely. Like, you, my shock yesterday when I saw Samheim on the ice bleeding, like, I I have followed him since his junior career. I love him. And just seeing that, so no one likes to see injury. No one likes to see anything like that. Nope. I feel you guys. It's it's awkward because that it's your player, but, like, you have the sportsman kind of in you that wants to see them succeed or at least like stay healthy like all these players are sacrificing a lot just to be here so i like i feel you it's it's touchy like what are you going to do um we can talk about the legality of the hit i feel like it was a very quick play right like it's it's just because niskanen has the repeat offender tag that we just it just a huge flashlight on it but it's a very quick hit it was uh it was a retaliation uh, which is normal in the playoffs. I mean, Kakanemi retaliated. You know, he got a five-minute. It's It happens. But at the same time, had it not drawn blood, would we have known? Would would it have been the same? Would we be freaking out as much? It's it's cause versus consequence. And that's the NHL for you. It's It really comes down to it. Josh, what were your opinions on that on that play? Because for me, and I don't know if my bias is showing or not, it was kind of bang bang, you know, without the slow, super slow mo replay. 
It looked like he was definitely he was going for a cross check, no doubt. But I don't think he expected for it to be in his face, you know. The tough part about slow mo is it 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 makes every hit look ten times worse. And I'm a fan of real intense physical hockey. It's it's, it's fucking the playoffs, so it's gonna happen a lot. And my feelings on the uh, the Niskanen hit are a lot similar to the Kakaniemi hit. Like both guys happen to turn in the wrong direction. You know, Sanheim, that that's a very routine hit, despite the fact Kakaniemi may have left his feet. That's a very routine hit. You know, yeah. the fact that he turned his back made it a five minute. And, you know, at worst, Niskanen's intentions were to cross check somebody, which is illegal. You can't do that in the NHL. So it, it's not like you could have, you know, played innocent on him to begin with. The fact that Gallagher turned around is very unfortunate, but um, I think it, it's kind of, that's the guy that, you know, Flyers fans are or not Flyers fans. Flyers players are looking to cross check a little bit. You know, he's a guy that's going to get under your skin a lot like Travis Konechny will, you know, and it's such it does such a disservice to a series that has been lacking that physicality that you're losing a guy who brings. That's a good point. Oh, I agree. I I've, just watching like I, I watch Konechny play. And it reminds me so much of Gallagher, but just like that extra speed, that extra skill. Um, so I understand, like those guys take beatings on the ice, and they're they're targeted in the playoffs because they're just all over the net, and that's how Gallagher scored. He was right on Hart's doorstep, and and a guy's gonna pay the price. And Konechny and and Gallagher, credit to them, no one gave them a chance. Even Konechny being a, a late first round pick, people were still eh on him, and they fought. The effort is there, and that's why they're successful. But those are styles that wear and tear on a player. And this is one of those situations with Gallagher, who was already nursing a leg injury, now gets a cross-check to the face. And we can talk about the, you know, I agree with uh, what was said before with Josh, is that, you know, you look at the Kakaniemi hit and you look at the Gallagher hit and it's a tale of, it, it's it's the same thing. It's it's a similar situation where I feel like the player put himself in a vulnerable, vulnerable position. Gallagher turning around quickly when he knows there's a check coming because he saw Niskanen going into the boards or Sanheim turning on his offside because he was playing on the right, uh, which he's not normally used to because he's used to turning in that direction, playing on the left. That's these are like split second decisions that cause disastrous consequences. So I I, I feel for all four players involved in, in a situation like that because it's never easy and that's no one's intent. For sure. So we could talk about the Sandheim hit a little bit. So what did you think about uh, that one, uh, Marco? Because I'm watching – what did you think about the result? Because I think we spoke a little bit about this on Twitter. It's either a two-minute or a five-minute major, with which comes with a game misconduct. Mm-hmm. And I think that's total BS to kind of make the referee choose. You know what? Well, because – if you're looking at that hit, it's hard to say, eh, only two minutes. So your only other option is, well, you should get a five-minute and we got to kick him out of the game, you know? So mm-hmm. I'm not saying that the referee should get a, a free pass or anything because, you know, like everybody else, I don't think they were the they were the best last night. I, I got a real important question to ask Marco about refereeing after this question. Oh, sweet <laughs> God. Please don't let it be about Chris Lee. I, I, guys, I got stories, man. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that was a... You could argue maybe five minutes, but to kick somebody out of a you know an elimination game, arguably one of the best players on offensive players on your roster, to kick him out for for that, I think is a little bit much. So first thing, I think you're gonna get like a thousand followers just for saying Kakanyemi was one of their best offensive players straight up. Half fans are gonna love hearing that. <laughs> Number two, uh, I would definitely agree. Look, 
If you look at the hit, there are many aspects of that hit that are dangerous. Uh, Kakanyemi's skates glide off the ice as he goes to lift two hands into the into the numbers. But as we just discussed, Niskanen, uh, sorry, not Niskanen, Sanheim also just kind of tilts the wrong way because he's used to playing on the other side. So I'm, I, I hate saying both players are at fault because no one should think Sanheim's at fault, but he should also... That this is the importance of playing players on the right side. And and unfortunately now with Niskan and out, you might have to play two players on the right instead of uh, left. So it's it's going to create situations like that. We have it for Montreal with Victor Mete. He's been getting his ass handed to him half the series because he's playing on his offside and can't pivot the right way because he's used to going the other way. Um, obviously, he hasn't had the repercussions that Sanham had bleeding from his head, but... Uh, it creates these awkward situations. I personally, I, we discussed this, I don't think there was a five-minute major, but because it goes from zero to 100 with the ruling with that two to five to ten, uh, I hoped that it would go back to what it used to be, which was two, then five, then five and ten, mm-hmm. uh, if it was really next level and you were allowed to come back after the five minutes. So the the way that I see it, they want to stop headshots. They want to stop these kinds of injuries to the brain. They just settled the lawsuit on this. I can understand it. But at the same time, there's... And we said it before. It's the inconsistencies of the refereeing that are causing the ambiguity and how fans feel about these hits because they're not being consistent. So everybody has valid opinions on whether a call should go left or right. Funny, as we speak, Tom Wilson just headhunted a New York Islander. Mm. That's a very important aspect. Was that Beauvilliers? What's that? Yeah, was that the Bovillier goal? Yeah, oh my god. Another another headshot in the league that we're going to be talking about, I'm sure. I, I feel like that, that, that's like a modern-day Dale Hunter hit there in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. All right, so I have to ask this question. I know you're going to hate me asking it, but um, referees are not household names. You know, outside of uh, Wes McCauley, outside of uh, Tim Peel, outside of the big names, I don't think anyone in Philadelphia knows who Chris Lee is. I have a decent uh, Montreal Canadian... Uh, friendship i have you know a lot of people who support the team i've heard nothing but bad things about chris lee and i have no fucking idea who he is so could you I, give us a little bit of insight on that do you guys remember when pk suban was ejected in the playoffs for slashing <laughs> have you no. ever heard of a player being ejected from the playoffs for slashing no i have not okay chris lee in a nutshell I'm just going to leave it at that, guys. Like, <laughs> I've never in my life, there was one player in my life that I've ever seen get ejected in a game for uh, for, for slashing. And it was Alexander Perezogan in the American Hockey League in, like, 2004 for literally slashing a guy across the face. And he was just kicked out of the league. So, no, I've never seen a five-minute major in the playoffs. But Chris Lee decided that P.K. Subban slashing Mark Stone, who we know is... A little, you know, he, he's a little eccentric. Uh, you ran around the ice, again, cause consequence, ran around the ice, just like holding his hand, went to the back. P.K. Subin got ejected. The moment he was ejected, Mark Stone was on the bench. Mm. So it's it's one of those moments where, again, and you saw it again with Kakanyemi's hit. Again, Chris Lee, it's a consequence uh, over causes. It's, it's, it's not the methodology that led to the play. It's the result of the play. And, uh, and again... It's not a complaint that I have as a Habs fan. I felt that he's had awkward calls even on the Flyers' end that I felt were a little bit soft, where Montreal shouldn't have probably had a power play. But thankfully, our power play has been iffy, so that's a good thing for you guys. 
I was going to say, uh, I think so. I think Chris Lee's called two games in the series now. Yeah, and, and they're just. <laughs> they've been penalty ridden. I mean, last night we saw so many power plays, and I believe game four beforehand was Wes McCauley, and there was a lot of things that, you know, ticky tack plays that during the regular season maybe you're calling, but it's mm-hmm. playoff hockey, and he let that go. And yeah, but it's as West- much as like, it, it can be frustrating when you see your player like interfered with dumping a puck or, you know, slash coming around, but that's the fucking playoffs. Like, you know, you let that shit go this time of year. And, and what I like about a guy like Wes McCauley is he's incredibly consistent. Mm-hmm. I don't look at a game from Wes McCauley and go, but he called something like that last game. Why is he? No, he's consistent. He's bloody consistent. Like, obviously, he changes from regular season to playoffs because, as you said, it's the fucking playoffs. But he's I this is why I've never had a problem with him. And he's entertaining. So, like, just model referee. I have no issues with him. Um, where the reason why you have this iffiness with Chris Lee is again, yes, because he's incredibly inconsistent and we see it in games, specific games or specific situations where the same play results in a different outcome. That's a good point. So you brought up, uh, power plays and how the Habs power play has been a little iffy. The Flyers power play has been a little iffy as well. That's, uh, that's very I noticed that, that, that actually worried me a little bit because I love the way you guys set up your power plays. And it's it really is a question of luck. Like, how many open nets have been missed on cross-seam saucer passes on your power play? Ask Travis it's, Konechny. Yeah, it's... <laughs> I mean, look, give Travis his due. Like, I feel like that kid, like, maybe in the series with Montreal might not be a big thing. But if and when, according to my own prediction, not my personal feelings right now, uh, you do go on to the second round. I feel like Konechny is just going to unblock at some point. He's just a guy that needs a game, almost like Gallagher had. Like, he just needs a game to unblock. Uh, I think it's a lot on his his shoulders right now. But I think if Flyer fans are looking at power plays, talking from someone who's cheering for the team with the worst power play in the NHL last year, and I think, like, 26th this year, uh, the puck movement is exquisite, guys. Like, it's going to go in. There is good possession. The puck is moving. You're forcing defenders to open up passing lanes. Uh, if you looked at Voracek's goal yesterday, the, I believe the second one, that or no, the first one that went under Price, uh, that went under, uh, uh, it was on the Kakaniemi goal uh, penalty. It was the second of the two goals, I believe. But the one, he slid it off and it went off Shirat's foot. But ah, that yes. whole sequence was like six excep- exceptional like seam passes from one end of the ice to the other that resulted in like hexagonal form. And then... You know, you just try to push it towards the net. By that point, everybody is spread out, and you have two guys in front of the net. The goalie, uh, and I believe he was aiming for either Giroud or Couturier. And it went in off the defenseman foot, but it's because you're spreading the defense that thin. So I feel like the Flyers are doing the right thing, as opposed to the Montreal Canadiens that are just dumping and chasing on a power play. Um, So I I really wouldn't worry. I feel like it's more bad luck, uh, and the fact that Montreal does have uh, Philip Deneau, who is a Selkie-worthy center that kind of goes around blocking a lot uh but other than that i feel like you know if you know the situation comes up where you face the islanders or something uh, i think you'd have a little bit more success uh because they have issues keeping up with such passes so to me just keep doing what you're doing uh at the beginning of the series you thought it was abysmal halfway through the series uh it was starting to work uh and last night i think you had two power play goals right off the bat so or three actually so i i you know, I think it's starting to heat up, and I think your best players are starting to heat up because of it, uh, and that should be a good sign for Flyers fans for next game. I'm glad you brought up Philip Deneau, Philip Deneau because he's he's an incredible defensive forward, and uh, 
What Montreal, I think, has done so well on the penalty kill is the Flyers' power play lives and die, lives and dies with Giroux on the left wall. You know, if yeah. he's not moving the puck, if he's not the facilitator, then it's not going to work. And you guys have really forced us to make plays from Provorov to Voracek. Whereas, you know, Jake Voracek is known as being a very dynamic offensive player, but he makes a lot of mistakes. You can force his hand and he's going to turn the puck over. So I think Montreal has done a really good job of that. And Philadelphia is obviously beginning to adjust. And Montreal's power play looks pretty damn good the last few games, too. Again, music to some fans here. But it's uh, <laughs> it's incredible what a, a few games can do to a, to a team's confidence in terms of moving the puck. Um, one thing I will say... Uh, in regards to Jake Voracek, like I've, I've followed Jake Voracek since his days with the Halifax Mooseheads. Uh, I used to see him a lot when I was down there. Uh, and I remember that Halifax specifically traded for Brad Marchand, who is a left wing, uh, so that they can produce the seam cross-ice pass, uh, creating a Voracek one-timer. And I know Voracek's got a great shot, but the way that you guys set up your power play, you have a guy in the middle uh, that can kind of rove there uh, in and out whilst Provorov kind of patrols the blue line. So that kind of limits his ability to shoot. Uh, he's always left with the option for passing. So it all either winds up back to Provorov or a seam cross-ice pass, uh, and that's where you seem to get that frustration because his passes don't seem to be connecting with the player that's streaking to the net. It's unfortunate. Yeah. He's trying. The skill is there. Like, I just watch it, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's it's unfortunate. Um and I won't pump like Carey Price's tires too hard, but he's he's made some pretty I'll go, just he's an astounding. Go ahead. Yeah, he's just made some saves to cut those passes. So like I, I really want to encourage Flyers fans, you're not playing bad. The power play is moving the puck at an exceptional level. Um, I just feel like this is what happens when elite goaltending and a semblance of solid uh, stability on a penalty kill occur. Like we 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 talk about how Shea Weber. And Sherrod have been playing in these playoffs. Like these guys are the same people that shut down Malkin and Crosby on their power play. They were not very successful either. Um, you got to give them credit. Obviously, people will not look at them in an elite fashion, but they have played in a very effective fashion. Um, but again, everything will happen, and a little luck is needed. But that power play, as we saw in the last game, will get you places. Yeah, uh, let's give full credit to Carey Price as well, because uh, the biggest issue with the Flyers power play has been zone entry. And Carey Price plays such an important role in shutting down a dump and chase. Oh my and, God. you know, that's the Flyers game. They're dumping and chasing. And, you know, Ben Chirot and Shea Weber have proven you cannot dump and chase the puck if you're not willing to go in that trench and fight for it. And, you know, when you have Price back there, you have guys like Petrie, Chirot, Weber. You're, you're not dumping and chasing a puck and getting it with ease. And that's been our strength all year. Absolutely. Uh, one thing I will say, though, the Flyers did, uh, and this was a neat adjustment by Alain Vigneault, um, if you notice when you guys do dump and chase, in the in the counter direction where you dump, you'll have two guys on that board, one going for the puck and the other one waiting on the boards in case there's a clear from those defensemen on their backhand. So that, that was something I found that was a little cool as well, so that you'll generally have like your, your left winger going in, so Giroud will be going in. And then it might happen that Provorov is also kind of streaking in at the top end of the blue line, ready for the puck for a cross-ice pass. And we've seen that a few times now, where I, I find the defensemen are pinching properly to assist that kind of pressure. So it doesn't compromise the two forwards on the forecheck, and everybody's kind of able to come back to the neutral zone and, uh, like together. Um, so the Flyers, that's classic Michelle Terrier, guys. I'm just going to, like, I've seen this before, and when I see it, you, you see the, the Flyers play it. It kind of brings back those memories. 
but it's incredibly effective. Uh, and if the Flyers are going to go deep, that style is really going to get them far. I feel like it's just really well done, uh, and teams collapse easy in the defensive zone that way. They're going to need to do a little bit more of that, I think. Uh, they've gotten better at it, I think, as the series has mm-hmm. gone on. Uh, towards the beginning of the series, I don't know if they were feeling each other out or what, but the Flyers couldn't they couldn't get a forecheck going. Either Price was coming out to play the puck whenever he wanted, yeah. or it was like, you know, if you do get in there and Price is not playing the puck, you're going to get crunched by Shea Weber or uh, Ben Sherratt. So it's yeah. kind of like, what do you do? And, and and again, that's why I like the way the Flyers adjusted. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like game two, the Canadians with, with Claude Julien being in the hospital would happen to him. Uh, I felt like they had that adrenaline, which carried them through. Like the moment they got that, they, they, they scored within the first like minute or so. Uh, and you just get that momentum there. Uh, but I feel like what the Flyers did, uh, and, and I kind of surprised the Canadians at first, was instead of doing the double forecheck with forwards, they did the the side forecheck where they, they took the man and then the boards. Ultimately, what that does is it pushes it to the center. Now, the Canadians have two 20, like a 20 and 21-year-old center uh, as a top six center right now with Philip Deneau in the third uh, since we started the series. And so you have more experienced guys like Hayes or Couturier that handle positioning a little bit better. And so they're able to come in as the third man to assist should the puck get off the boards. That's where Philly's been best. That's where Philly's drawn penalties. That's where Philly's been able to overload the defense. So as long as they're able to do that, I don't feel like Carey Price going to play the puck, who, if you look, he's been a little bit more nervous to play the puck lately, uh, and it's resulted in turnovers, because specifically because there's no option for pass, specifically because of that third man that we talked about that's playing center. So you clog up the central passing lane. All he's got is an option is backhand for which he needs to turn around to make that pass. Yep. That's uh, that's really good uh, that you caught that, yeah. You hit the nail on the head. Because I, I was starting to see that he was having trouble, you know, deciding where he was going to go with the puck, but I, I didn't put that together the way you did there. So that that was awesome. Thanks. Well, it's a, it's it's the classic way to beat Carey Price. Don't give him any options. <laughs> Dude, he's, he's everywhere. When he's not st- when he's not in the net, he's out of the net making plays. He's it's, you know destroying the forecheck single-handedly. It's like holy shit! How do you beat this guy? We've created a meme that's just Carey Price does everything but score. <laughs> and it's, Don't it's there's still joke, two more games left, man. Don't say. I that. mean, just you know, yeah, it would be great, but uh, I, it's always fun because you know a lot of people ask themselves like, is this his last year? Is he gonna ask for trade? Is he is he still elite? Is he worth his contract? Um, you know, those are questions that will continue to be argued regardless of his performances, but it's fun to see that a veteran can come in and just take over. Like those stats are otherworldly for a goalie right now. So you got to give him credit. Um, I feel like the veterans or the key veterans on the Hobbs did what they have to do. Uh, but what's fun also for me, especially as a fan of his, uh, all throughout his junior career is watching the way Carter Hart is kind of playing through games. Uh, getting the youngest goalie to get a double shutout mm-hmm. in the history of the Flyers. Just getting a shutout, I believe he was the youngest as well. So it, it's fun to see Carter Hart really come into his own. And like as Flyers fans, like it's refreshing to have like a, a franchise goalie, guys. <laughs> like I felt that for you when you drafted him, and I was just like, oh, they don't even know how good this kid is. <laughs> and it, you just watching him play, uh, grow. 
the way he went to the AHL and was called up uh, as a 20-year-old and just given the reins, which is exactly what happened to Carey Price. Uh, so it's really crazy to watch the parallels. Uh, and the way he's played, I think he's played better in the playoffs than Carey Price played in his rookie year. So it's it's you got to give it to him. Amazing. Almost, uh, I would be willing to say, like, potential franchise goalie at this point because everything is there. Everything. One of the guys we interact with on Twitter, Dan Knightley, put out a tweet, and he said, if Carter Hart is this good now at 21 and he hasn't even hit his prime, think about what he's going to be when he finally hits his prime in a couple of years. And it's – I get goosebumps, to tell you the truth. The Flyers haven't I'm, – I'm 33 years old. The Flyers have never had a goalie where I'm like, yeah, he could steal a game. Never. Right. And and now they got one, and he's 21 years old. He's phenomenal already. I still can't believe you guys went to the final with Michael Leighton, guys. Like, <laughs> I can't. Power to you, because, like, that kind of goaltending. And and to that credit, not only do teams talk about, like, building through their defense or from the net out, right? You have, a like, a long list of defensemen that are under the age of 25 at this point yep. that are also coming up with him. So not only is your goalie about to hit his prime in his late, tw- you know, mid to late twenties, you also have like a bunch of defensemen that could too. In Sanheim, Provorov already is a number one defenseman in my eyes. Um, Bill Myers. You know, if if you can, you got Myers. Zamula is coming in as well. Uh, Cam York, I thought was a great selection of fourteen last year. Uh, so there's a lot of guys uh, that you have that you can plug in place, and a lot of forwards that you have that you can then kind of trade on the side if you need that defensive help down the line. So I, I feel like, to me, if if the Flyers are learning anything from this, is that you have a good 10 to 15 years of franchise goalie ahead of you because holy moly. I just see Stanley Cups when, when you say that. I hope I'm not uh, jinxing anything, but... I Look, guys, I hope it for you because like, I'm tired of seeing like a, a team like Pittsburgh or Washington win stuff. Like, oh, just my no. God. I want those tanking teams out, and I want teams to build through proper trading and drafting to win. Thank so if you. It's gonna be one of us. Building it's gonna be one of us. Right, you know, like, I get like you have to realize like there's mad respect for a franchise that's able to perform despite having a top three pick that's not playing in these series. Like to me, that's a big deal. No, there is no self-drafted top five pick in this in in, in on the Flyers. The Canadians oh. have two. Not playing yeah. because you have Nolan Patrick and exactly. JVR. There's nobody playing right now. I, I, J- JVR <laughs> He's was not playing. He doesn't count anymore. It's true. I forgot <laughs> about JVR. Yeah, but so I, do we sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's true. I feel that. I yeah, just man. Like I said, it's, just, it's, it's incredible to watch that this core uh, is able to just produce just based on good GMing. Uh, that you look at, and it, it's crazy because it, people are going to be like, well, Hackstall, Hackstall, Hackstall. But drafting and development-wise, like he set your franchise on the right path. So Speaking of good GMing, um, as a Montreal fan, is there any way you can get us the blueprint of Mark Bergevin's workout regimen? I wish. Holy <laughs> like, hell, his biceps are incredible. It's insane. He trains actually uh, not too far from where I go, uh, downtown Montreal. Uh, an absolute monster, just insane. And it is, it's not just Mark Bergevin, it's ironically his entire staff. I've never seen an entire executive team just full of meatheads that go to the gym and just pump. And they're my, they're my heroes. I love the fact that they're able to do that. Uh, and it's a, just a joke amongst the Canadians organization and their fans, uh, power to him, man. The guy's, I think he turned like up like 50 something like good for him. Just looks like he can play tomorrow. 
Actually, I think he was a left defenseman. Montreal could use that right now. Hey, we got a guy. Uh, I know, man. Tomorrow night, actually. I know. I don't know if you know this, but like Gostisbera was the wet dream of the Montreal Canadiens fans like last summer. Oh, and yeah, you guys know. are thinking to yourself, like, do you want him now? Yeah, yeah. Dude, I was saying that last year, man. Take him, please. Please, please. Give us something good. Yeah, anything. I, I, I think the re- uh, what was floating around, it was like Andrew Shaw and uh, I think there were Paul picks Byron. Involved. I think was there were picks, picks involved. Yeah, there had to be because he signed for so long and it was not a very big risk that it would have made sense. And obviously, now that we know about his hips, like I think it's it's going to help him going forward that he's a hundred percent, and you know people will blame him for certain defensive errors, but I think mobility wise, transition wise, pushing the puck on the offense, I think he's back to where he was. I just don't think the numbers are there because he's playing on the third pair. Yeah, so. you're not you're not going to see production with him with when he's playing with Justin Braun because they do not fit together. You know, if if Gosses Bear comes into this lineup tomorrow. It's mm-hmm. with Ivan Provorov or it's with Travis Sanheim, which is unfortunate because you're going to have two left-handed defensemen on, on a yeah. pairing. But, you I, know, that's I mean, where he needs to be if he's going to get uh, if he's going to yeah. get point production. And I think the best place for him to do that is on another NHL franchise. Unfortunately, it is. It's unfortunate, but I don't feel like GMs forgot what his offensive production could be. And now that they can get access to the medical documents that show that he's actually 100% because of a lingering injury, well, then that's going to help. But it just it again like bodes to the notion that the building of this franchise is done right. The assets are still valuable. There's a lot of of upsell to come, and and there's still fantastic prospects that you guys have in the AHL right now and coming up through the NCAA. Like Bobby Brink is my is is my boy. I, I wanted was Bobby so Brink to the that we got him. Such a big fan. And of him. a guy that goes to Denver University, like Flyers fans should be pumped because I saw him all year watching a Canadian's prospect that plays on as his center. And poof, you guys got a gamer. Speaking of prospects, you guys got the guy everybody here wanted in Cole Caulfield. Oh, my. Okay, guys, I'm sorry. That was the best draft of all time for me. <laughs> it was <laughs> not. And I, and I don't mean to say this, and I say this with other respect, but I don't mean to say this as the fact that I was just drinking Flyers Tears that night. But it's the <laughs> videos that came out from the sports bars when – uh, I believe it was still Fletcher at the time, or is it? Yeah, was yeah, it, it, was Fletcher, it, yeah. it was it was it's still Fletcher. Okay, good. Uh, Fletcher comes on and says from the Nash, uh, U.S. National Development Program, and I was like, God, he started with going a C. Caulfield, <laughs> and it's just like Cam York, and I just I can't explain it. I think the hole is still there, but I hit the ceiling <laughs> because I just knew what that meant. Uh, I had a um, I had a source that the Canadians had uh, had supper with Cole Caulfield and his agent, who is a good friend of Mark Bergevin. Uh, his act- his son is actually in this draft, uh, Pat Brisson, uh, who is a well-known player agent. Uh, and he said, like, if you really want Caulfield, you might have to trade up into the 10th spot. Flyers fans, I know you were disappointed, but Cam York had a monster year this year. I thought he was one of the better defensemen in the NCAA. Um he played on a good team, but he's the reason. He's one of the reasons why that team was good. Uh, so, transition-wise, uh, the way he's able to play both sides seamlessly, uh, his shot, his intelligence, I think he's going to slot in nicely uh, with what uh, Philadelphia has going, and it gives you the option to trade him should you need that last piece for the playoffs. Yeah, let me say uh, on draft night when we didn't select Cole Caulfield, um, I didn't have it in me to tweet a reaction or you know put a paragraph <laughs> into it, so. I simply posted a picture of me with a bottle of bullet bourbon in my mouth and took oh. a few gulps of it. But uh, Cheers. is that what you got there? 
Yes. Cheers. Interestingly enough, uh, I live over here in Anaheim, and uh, Cam York hails from Anaheim Hills. I know. I play hockey with a lot of guys who played with him growing up, and they have nothing but elite things to say about the kids. There's tons of excitement for Cam York, obviously. I'm pumped to see all these California guys really get up in the draft there now. It's been about 10 years you're starting to see that. I think that's phenomenal. You're going to see uh, a lot more because out here, the Ducks sponsor nine ice hockey rinks. It's absolutely ridiculous how well they've done building hockey in Southern California. Oh, yeah. I've I've seen the 04 and 05 kids that they have coming up, and there's a lot. I think there's four or five names that are marquee names coming out of california i don't i i I could talk about this all day guys but i i don't want to deviate too far i want to i want to keep it on the flyers but in terms of their american prospects like i just you guys are repping man you guys are doing great i I feel like you you're tapping into the right uh players um and there's still more to come like morgan frost to me is is the one untapped prospect you guys haven't used yet uh i think joel farabi we talked about this is the stud um, other than Kakanyemi and Brady Kachuk, he's the other forward that's come out of the 2018 draft earliest and made the most impact. So at 14th overall, you take that, you run with it because a lot of teams decided to pick other players. You know, like you look at a guy like Zadina, uh, you look at a guy like Oliver Wallstrom who played on his line, yeah. uh, in, in, and I just didn't see it in Oliver Wallstrom. And neither did I, neither did I, I had him far, I had Farabi in the top 10. I'm not going to lie. I like, I just... He screams Max Pacioretty to me. He just has that in him, like potential 60-point player, 30-goal scorer, just an intelligent, knows where to be on the ice. And all of his goals are his hockey IQ. He just knows where to be on the ice. Uh, so to me, that's impressive for a kid that's his age. And you got to have him again for another 10 years. So again, good drafting. I don't know if it's the current uh, heat wave going on or your compliments of Faraby, but I'm drenched in sweat. Oh, me too, man. Don't worry about it. It's it's the heat wave. Dude, Max Pacioretty, that's pretty high praise, man. I just, you guys, it's, it's inc- like Max Pacioretty wasn't even playing in the NHL at this age. Let's call it that. Max Pacioretty was playing regular shifts in the NHL at the age of 20, 21. Uh, and Farabi is already ahead of that to me. Uh, again, gets taken out of the lineup in the playoffs, gets put back in the lineup, scores. Like, to me, it just, he's got he's he's clutch he knows where to be um and he's a player that once he fills out and continues to get faster will just continue to be effective he's just playing lower on the totem pole right now but on truly rebuilding teams he'd already be in a top six role so since we're talking about uh max pacioretty and since we're talking about young players let's talk about nick suzuki Oh. And we're not going to talk about the head pat because I don't I don't want to get into I that. I didn't like it either. I'm going to be completely honest with you. The first thing I said to my TV is, what are you doing, Nick, you dick? Yeah, because you, you might be igniting something there that you don't need. Yeah, but know? they know each other from, like, yeah, way back. They're like, they're Hockey Canada, like, they've known each other. It's just, yeah. yeah, no, we, we know yeah. We know there's no uh, hostility there. But he's been such an important piece for this playoff. You know, oh, um, the Flyers playoffs. are one of the best face-off teams in hockey. And Nick Suzuki's been very, very good in the, in the the on the middle. So what is it about Nick Suzuki that he was able to come in and look like a regular top-six center in these playoffs? Uh, they were patient with him. Which is rare to say in Montreal, my friends. Uh, we were talking about Carey Price being thrust into the role. I thought potentially Carter Hart was thrust a little too quick in the role. He proved everybody wrong. Good for him. Uh, but I feel like Nick Suzuki was allowed to go back to junior after the Max Pacioretty trade. Really dominate in the OHL. Um, was the best player in the OHL playoffs by, by a large margin. Uh, assisted his team in winning the championship, going to the Memorial Cup, being top end, and then 
And only then, when he was physically ready, he made the team and he came out and owned it. Which I feel is what the Flyers did with Farabi by sending him back, even though he could have made the team right out of the camp at 18 years old. It's about being patient and giving them that time to develop within their realm of consistency so that they can get stronger, faster, and learn the game quicker. Um, And so Suzuki now was allowed to come in. People thought he was going to be a winger. People thought he was going to be a right winger for life because we were set at center. And Kakaniemi's development uh, hurdles happened. Uh, He was sent to Laval. Suzuki was put at center. Max Domi was slumping. Suzuki was put in the top six center role. uh, And he never really looked back. Uh, He's actually dislodged Philip Deneau, who's been the number one center for two years now. And, you know, to his credit, has played great defensively and has chipped in more than enough offensively. But Nick Suzuki now, uh, as of the first game with the Flyers, was the Canadiens' number one defenseman because... Again, elite hockey IQ, and I think this is what kids with uh, the skating being not at the maximum that they can be, this is why kids are able to come in and be so so good right away is because they know where to be on the ice, and they're able to do it quickly. How does it feel as a Canadiens fan to say you're deep at center? Uh, the same way you feel about heart. <laughs> I'm not joking. Like We have the phobia of not having a number one center. Y'all have a phobia of not having a goalie. And I'm saying... It is the most fundamental real insecurity on the planet. And they managed to fix it in three years, which no GM was able to do in the last 20. So, again, I feel like I'm speaking. You just have to replace the words for goalie and heart. Uh, and it's the same thing. So it, it's refreshing. Really, it is uh, that the Canadians actually have like three productive centers and, and a potentially a, a few more coming in the pipeline. Uh, But really, and again, I've said this, even if there's loss tomorrow on the Canadian side, what they've gained from these playoffs is simply experience and is knowing that they have something good going forward. This has been huge for them. Uh, Oh, yeah. I always said if I had a second favorite team, it'd be Montreal. So I I do kind of follow the Canadians a little bit. And uh, Suzuki had a hell of a year, actually. For his standards, I guess, I mean, a, a rookie, I mean... I don't know. I do. I, I follow fantasy uh, hockey, whatever. So mm. the only reason I knew how Suzuki was having it a year is because I picked him up, and I'm like, this dude's putting up points like every other night. Oh like, yeah. How, how, I feel like he didn't get enough attention during the regular season. It, to be quite yeah. quite honest. I'd give you that. Um, Suzuki was playing on the fourth line for the better part of the first two months, uh, yeah. and I think when your pool really started benefiting benefiting from it was December because as of yep. December he was, I think he had like something north of. 37 points in 48 games or something like that. So it was exceptional. And he was playing center for most of it, uh, you know, sharing it with Max Domi. So it it was really cool to see. Um, And I think what where he got better, ironically, was not offensively, was defensively. They started using him in all situations, not just power play, where he was actually with uh, Tatar, the Canadians' best power play player, but also defensively on the penalty kill. He plays right after Phil Deneau. So that's pretty huge for a player of, of 21 now, uh, 20 now 21 years of age. Uh, I find it pretty exceptional. But again, like everyone's eyes in Montreal is on Kakaniemi uh, and if he's going to live up to, to his draft. So it, it was exceptional for Suzuki to be able to kind of like live in that semi-anonymity and kind of rise through the ranks accordingly. Yeah, the experience that they're gaining now is like almost invaluable. So it's, and it's crazy because... You know, without everything, without the stoppage, they they may not have even been in the playoffs. They get the opportunity. All of a sudden, they're in game six of the first round, you know, against the number one seed, the Flyers, who were hot coming into the playoffs. And 
you know, they're playing well. They're building confidence. You know, uh, Suzuki scored a goal in the other game. Kakanyemi's been playing well in the series. This is this is vital experience for them. So I'm wondering if they're kind of speeding up their process a little bit. There's a lot to look forward to with Montreal, I think, next year. Yeah, I think that if they want to maintain their core, they can. Uh, I think Montreal also having something like $18 million in cap space. Um, they're, yeah, exactly, right? They, there are maybe five teams that have that cap space, and we're talking about a flat cap. And Ma- Montreal only has to re-sign uh, Max Domi and Victor Mete to, to new contracts next year. So we're talking about maybe maximum $7 million, $8 million for the two of them. So you still have $8 million to $9 million to work with. Uh, and that's with the roster intact and the kids growing. You guys so, needed a left-handed D, right? Hey. Only $4.5 million. We have one currently not able to play, uh, who was a teammate of Zamulas, actually, for Team Russia and Alex Romanov. Uh, so him, too. Like, he's coming in next year as well. So there's there's a lot of good things coming from Montreal, I think, year after year. I think maybe next year, uh, not the season coming, but the year after that, they might have Cole Caulfield come in the lineup as well. Um a lot of prospects in Europe that are are maturing or have been for the last few few years, um, and they have a quite a few picks. They have 14 picks in this draft, so I feel what? like they're yeah I know Mon- Montreal just likes getting those late round picks. They have three 14? seconds, two thirds, three fourths, two fifths, one sixth, and a seventh. I'm or sure two that's seventh. that round pick is when Philadelphia and Montreal always. Oh, you guys, you guys are my boys for that. You gave us Caden <laughs> Primo. Gotta yeah. love you, which really? is. Like, how exceptionally weird is that, that it's it's Wayne's son, and he was injured by a Montreal Canadian to end his career, and you traded us the pick to draft his son. Like, there, there's just, that, that's 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 mega weird. That's a fun Yeah, that is weird. So, uh, I just, like I said, I, I enjoyed that. I, I, I actually was super pumped that your GM, year after year, felt like they didn't have anything to find in the seventh. Uh, it worked out two years in a row. Uh, I thank him for it. But it allowed for, uh, it allowed for some fun. And especially when it comes to drafting, I feel like Montreal has kind of turned the corner in that end, uh, similarly to the way that the Flyers turned it around the last five years. Again, uh, you know, I think the only uh, you have Couturier and Provorov right now that, that that are the top 10 picks that are playing as we speak. Uh, and the rest are good drafting and, and good trades. So thumbs up. I think the team is going in the right direction. Uh, and I think you just got to stick with it. For sure. It's a hell of a year to have 14 draft picks, too, man. It's a deep yeah, draft. I like this. I really like this. I actually like the fact that the Flyers kept their first this year because I just that's so going to keep them dangerous because I, I I stand by it. I feel like the players ranked in the top 45 are players that are pretty much, I'd give a 75 to 80% ratio here, destined yep. for the NHL. I feel like this is a very top-heavy draft, uh, and the Flyers can make some damage. So even if you have a season that doesn't see you picking 31, uh, you're still going to get a good player and you still have good young players to build on. I think it's important that we have you back right before our draft coverage. I think that could be oh, that's, that's my favorite time of the year, man. That that that's I'm telling you, like I remember uh, 2018 for you guys having two first round picks. I was like, oh, my God, the Flyers must be having a ball right now. <laughs> and just Joel Farabi 14 and seeing what he's doing straight up is is just great. So, I, like I said, I, I feel like the draft or, or the way that teams are building right now, especially with the flat cap, is going to become even more important. And it's a good thing the Flyers are already ahead of the game uh, and, and really good at getting value for their picks. You know, I, I kind of said something similar because obviously Elaine Vigneault is nominated for the Jack Adams. And mm-hmm. 
Obviously, Hextall did a lot of the drafting for this team. But Chuck Fletcher's responsible for putting the right pieces in the right spots. You know, because he could have really messed things up with some moves here. Oh, yeah. He he made a lot of the right moves, and he made them proactively. And even still, even during the stoppage, he made small little moves here and there. Uh, I think he went out and got Linus Sandin, who was one of the better players out there. That was a good signing. I like that. Sign him for cheap. So in my mind, he's still thinking future, and he's getting some guys under contract just in case that you know the the cap stays flat and whatnot, and they're not going to be in trouble. I mean, they went out and signed Kevin Hayes for you could argue, sure they overpaid, but it's free agency. That's what you do in free agency. Um, so everyone wants to cry and worry about what's going to happen in a couple years, you yeah. know. But if it if it brings a Stanley Cup, who cares? And and I think also we're, he's prepared for that. Like he's the GM. He's not. He's not just signing guys and saying, oh, we'll see what happens in a couple of years. He's got no. a plan, and I think we keep seeing you know, that he has a plan. So I've been really happy with Chuck Fletcher. You should. I mean, getting Hayes as a second-line center is not wrong. Obviously, signing him uh, on the eve of unrestricted free agency, you're going to overpay. And will that be overpay four or five years from now? No. But, I mean, Duchesne did get $8 million from the Nashville Predators, and they almost scratched him in the playoffs. I don't see you scratching Hayes. Yeah. He's causing all kinds of ruckus on the ice, and he's an effective player, and he's playing 200 feet. He's drawing penalties, even if he's not scoring. So, to me, he's an important piece. He's an elite piece. And every time fly- the Flyers have been any good or contending-ish uh, in the past, they've had two very good centers. And I feel like that was a necessity. Uh, given the prospect pool at the time, I felt like Frost wasn't ready yet. And I think that was an excellent way of getting an asset. And they didn't give much to get him. They gave a fifth. Fifth-round pick, yep. Yeah, like... I, I don't know. I think that's a huge win because you have a guaranteed asset now for, for years upon years and you barely had to give up anything except for a fifth round pick. So, you know, as a guy, as a guy that cheers for a team that can't sign restricted, uh, unrestricted free agents, bravo. Just take it. <laughs> like, just take it. Free assets. For sure. Um, so we're coming up on, we've had you for just about 50 minutes. I think the original plan was to have you for a half an hour, but it's been such oh, a good, good time. I figured we'd keep you around for another 20 minutes here. Um, Josh, if there's anything you want to sneak in for Marco last second here, we'll, uh, we'll let him wrap up. I mean, I have tons of prospect questions, but we'll, I'll save that for another time. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we can get you back on Marco. Thanks for hanging out oh, with no, us. Not uh, a problem. Not where a can problem, everybody guys. find you? You have anything you want to plug dude? Uh, I'm, I'm available on Twitter at the hockey expert and my website for drafting specifically, uh, mostly prospect watching and rankings at, uh, mostly scrimmage and stats.com. So uh, either way, you can find me on Twitter, but most likely I'm just here for the conversation. I'm down to talk. I don't take things uh, very seriously. Uh, if you're down to chirp, I'm here. <laughs> you're the man, Mark. It was a pleasure hanging out with you. Really appreciate you joining oh, us. I appreciate having uh, being here, guys. It was, uh, it was really a fun talk. And like I said, this has been a great series. I love talking to Flyers fans about sports. You guys are so passionate. So I just uh, keep doing what you're doing. Keep cheering your team. Have some faith. Uh, that it's this year and next year, I think you guys are going to go far. I think so as well. And uh, same to you, Marco. You guys got a lot of good things going on over there. Hopefully Montreal fans are just as excited and positive as you are. And uh, hopefully we'll talk soon, dude. I Hopefully, man. Let me know when you guys want to talk draft. It'll be my pleasure. Awesome, man. We'll let you go. Take care, Marco. Take care, guys. Thank you so much. All right. All right, everyone. Marco Diamico. What an awesome dude, huh? Great talk. Uh, 
I'm, mean, you know, I, I was a big draft guy before I really got into uh, Flyers hockey. You know, that was my niche was looking at prospects, and it's great to to be able to talk a little bit about that. Dude, we have to have him on again because I feel like I learned so much just from listening to him talk about the game. I agree. So now that you know, now that we've talked to our Montreal guy, let's you know, let's get to the Philadelphia aspect. Yes. And I want to start off with a big, big, important, important thing. Ready? Yes. That is what we call a deep breath, and I would like everyone to do that right now because there is a lot of mayhem over every loss the Flyers take in the playoffs. The Flyers are not going to sweep the playoffs. They're not going 16-0. They haven't lost back-to-back games since January when they had the Disney on ice trip, and that was, pri- that was uh, post a diagnosis to Oscar Lindblom. This is not a team that rolls over and dies. They're going to come back tomorrow. They're going to come with animosity. They're going to come with that passion. And they're going to win that game. So I want everyone to relax. You know, don't take a bad game that bad. Sure, they could have closed it out yesterday and they had all the opportunity to do so. But let's move forward. Let's not dwell too hard on the past. I agree. Even watching that game yesterday, I always felt like they were going to win. Or at least they were going to attempt to win. I never felt... I never felt... I don't know how to say this. So usually Flyers hockey, you know, you get excited, you're yelling at the TV. This whole series hasn't really been that for me. And that doesn't mean I haven't been into it. It just means I know this team's good. I know they're going to pull it out. They don't have to, they're not going to sweep everybody. And, you know, you'll see people on the, on the Twitter going, well, this is really a 12th ranked team. Uh, You know, the Flyers are the number one seed, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, everybody got time to get healthy. You know, so, and this is a, like like Marco said, this is a different Montreal Canadiens team. You know, they're trying. Philip Deneau, who was the number one center, is their third line center. They're they're getting experience for guys like Suzuki, Kakinyami. These are these are we mentioned on past shows. These guys have nothing to lose. They're playing with house with house money. They're having a good time. They're enjoying themselves. And if they can, you know, wreck some teams' playoff hopes along the way, then you know that's what they're going to try to do. But they're here and they're making the most of it. We, dude, we said on our first show, this was not going to be a cakewalk. You know, we talked to uh, Veronica last week. Veronica picked the Canadians to win in six games. She knows what they have there. You know, she's she's very smart. She wasn't just saying that because she's a Habs fan. Excuse me. It's it's it was going to be a close series the whole time, and that's exactly what it is. Yeah, and I think it's important to note, you know, these young kids like Suzuki and Kakaniemi, you know, they came in this year. You know, Kakaniemi didn't have the year that he wanted, but Suzuki obviously did. And the the pause after COVID was basically an off season. You know, these kids are coming into what feels like to them their second season. You know, they got all that experience of playing in the NHL. They had three months to sleep on it, to work out, and, you know, the limited skating time they had to really work on their game. So this is like their second season. They're feeling energized. And, you know, the young guns are the one that are going to provide the offense right now when this is basically the start of a new season almost. You know, it's a good point that you just brought up the young guns because uh, I was just talking to Jimmy Dowd on the podcast I was recording before this one, and he made a point to bring up some of the Flyers' older guys who aren't necessarily getting the job done right now. They look a little bit slower. Uh, I think it's time for guys like TK, if he's not hurt, because remember he did he did uh, take a shot off the, the foot, right, in, in game two, I think it was. Uh, I think it's his time now. It's TK's time to step up a little bit. 
Um, he led the team in goal scoring in the regular season. Uh, we we were comparing him to Brendan Gallagher a little bit, you know, with with Marco. Uh, Montreal fans are kind of upset with Gallagher. I think Gallagher's outplayed Konechny in this series. So yeah, I would like Konechny to see hadn't Konechny. had that series he wanted. Right, and you know it's it's never too late until you're actually out. So I would like to see Konechny take a step forward tomorrow. I think you'll see that. I think you'll see a lot of the team take a take a big step forward tomorrow. They know they got they I the Flyers knew they had this game in the bag. You know, they did all the right things to win this game and very very minor mistakes led to goals in the back of their net and they know that and AV made sure that they knew that. That you know, they're going to come out tomorrow, guys like Konechny, Hayes, Giroux, guys that you haven't heard from in this series, they're going to make an impact tomorrow. You're feeling it. I love it. That's why it's called the bright side. Positivity, baby. Yeah, they're gonna get it done. I firmly believe that. I've I believe that most of these most of the season, uh, you know, we were saying they're gonna get into the playoffs, they're gonna win the cup. They're facing a challenge here. This is some adversity. They're struggling with the team. A lot of people out there say that they shouldn't be struggling with. Reality is, you know, the styles clash. We just heard it from Marco. I mean, they they're they're running into the best goalie in the league who is on fire right now. It's going to come. Tomorrow it's going to come. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, my biggest issue is the Flyers haven't really played their game. You know, the, the Flyers are a team that likes to dictate dictate pace. You know, they make teams play their style. And Mon- it's been Montreal hockey for five games. It Fortunately, really the Flyers are a good enough team that they beat them at their own game, and they're up 3-2 in the series right now. But we haven't got to see Flyers hockey. We haven't got to see the, you know, the hockey we watched all season. We're watching Montreal style and the Flyers adapt to it, and that's a credit to our coaching staff that we're in this series right now. Yeah, that's a really good point, Josh. You're right. Yep. Yeah, it hasn't looked like Flyers hockey. And uh, I don't know about everybody else. I'm sure everybody's sticking the same, but I can't wait for this series to be done, dude. It's the worst. You know, it's I say so that, bad. but we're going we're gonna to advance to the next round and play the New York Islanders, and I think oh. you're going to see even more boring hockey. You know, the Islanders are, are much more talented than the Montreal Canadiens, but they are suffocating. It's their defense torturous. will not let you enter their zone. Their forwards are so quick, they're going to dump the puck, and it's just going to be nonstop board battles, nonstop hits with fucking Cal Clutterbuck, Matt <laughs> Martin, Casey Sezikis. They're a tough team to play against. It's going to be more of the same, but we're not playing Carey Price anymore. We're, we're playing Semyon Varlamov, and that's he's been great these playoffs, but he's not Carey Price. Yeah, they're definitely going to face another challenge. Uh, and man, it just sucks. Like You knew they were going to get matched up with the Islanders or the Lightning, right? Uh, and, we're, and we're looking ahead. like We're looking past tomorrow night's game. Prediction for tomorrow night. What do you think the score is going to be? I think we're going to see a little bit more of what we saw on uh, on last game. I think there's going to be offense. I think this ends up being 6-3 Flyers. Wow. I think we're going we're gonna to see some goals. We're going to see a little bit more open hockey compared to that heavy four-check style. You know, I think Montreal has adapted to the way the Flyers are suffocating them. And, you know, they're starting back. And I think the Flyers are going to hit back. And, you know, I'll say it again, and I'm going to burn this into people's brains. The Flyers haven't lost back-to-back games since January. They know how to, to adapt to a loss. They know how to taste shit and move on and move forward. And I think they're going to give Montreal a real good fight tomorrow. I think it's going to be very intense given the uh, the post-empty net activity caused by Couturier. You know, they're, gonna, they're coming into this with a lot of animosity. This is going to be the most heated game of the series. 
this is going to be the most exciting game of the series, and this is going to be the last game of the series. <laughs> oh, my God. I feel like we have to end the show on that note. <laughs> I got so much more. Do you? Well, I think a big thing is talking about Matt Niskanen. Yeah. Uh, who's coming in for him? That's the big thing. Who do you think's playing for him? Is it Ghost or is it Friedman? I'm going to surprise. I'm going to shock the world. I want Ghost tomorrow. I want him. I want Ghost in. Because I think if there's ever a time to see vintage Ghost, if there's ever a time to pump Ghost breaks, if there's ever a time to pump them up, it's for this game. All right, Ghost, go out. Because I want him paired up with Provorov tomorrow. Like, I don't want to see Ghost on the third line. If if he is a difference maker, right? Because that's what he is. That's what Ghost is at his best, right? He's a difference maker. Go make a difference, Ghost. These these guys wanted Niskanen suspended because they wanted you in the lineup. Show them what, give them what they're asking for now, dude. That's what I, I want to see you make them pay. Like, I don't know. I feel like you can't get any more insulting than that. They want Niskanen out because they think that you're that you're an easier option. Show them that they're wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah, Ghost is a competitive guy. You know, he's going to see that. I don't, I don't know if he has Twitter, but I think he's going to see that and he's going to feed off it. But, you know, personally, I think the Flyers go with Mark Friedman. And that'd be okay with me. I think, you know, our coaching staff loves that dynamic of having a lefty and a righty. And, you know, Friedman's that right-hand shot who can play on the bottom pair with, with uh, Robert Haig. And, you know, you can adjust the pairs to be, you know, Provorov with Myers, Sanheim with Braun, Friedman with Hag. And I think AV's comfortable with that. And I think Mike Yo's comfortable with that. You know, you'd, you'd like to see Shane Goss's bear come in, you know, maybe play with Travis Sanheim or Ivan Provorov and, you know, come out and be his offensive self. But, you know, yeah. he's prone to a lot of mistakes. And can you afford that in a game six where you lose this game and you have a chance to be eliminated by the 12th seed? It's true. Yeah, I... I Kind of agree. I mean, Friedman's very solid. I was happy with what I saw from him this year. Uh, the part that would scare me is, is is he ready for the stage? You know, having never played in the playoffs before, six games in the NHL. It makes absolute sense why you would see him in, you know, because of the left and right defensemen. Um, it's going to be interesting. I, I'd be comfortable with either one. I, maybe more comfortable with Friedman because I think he's more sound defensively you know even when he was up with the flyers this season i didn't see him panic much you know he, he seemed like he was ready for the stage uh gossip spare though i feel like if there's a game that he's going to come up and be ready to play in it should be for tomorrow yeah and, and if, if i'm av i'm i'm using anything i got to get this guy to light a fire under this guy's ass i think av does that better than anyone in the league Mm-hmm. And um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I want to say uh, Shane Gosses bears numbers against every team. I think Montreal, he has 13 points in 14 games against. He he has the offensive touch when it comes to the Montreal Canadiens. Yep. I, I'm really feeling ghost tomorrow, especially, I mean, I, they haven't used him on the power play. The Flyers power play has been, it was better yesterday. Um, but I, I don't know why I'm just feeling, if I'm ghost, I would just use that as motivation. You know, they want Niskanen suspended because they want me to play in his place. Do they think that I'm I'm not as good? I'm going to show them what they're asking for. I'm going to give them what they want. And I'm going to go out and I'm going to eliminate them from the playoffs. You know? this Here's what I... And this is going to contrast a lot to a... To a, to a I said about Ghost. 
Because all, all I've wanted from Ghost in the past is just to not make mistakes. But I'm trying to work on accepting players for what they are. Uh, JBR is an example. You know, uh, Ghost is a player. He's high risk, high reward. You know, is where he can do two spinoramas two and the puck will end up in the back of his net both times. On the flip side, if you let him loose, he could pot a couple goals for you. And that's what's kind of like missing from this series is a, an offensive spark, you know, some creativity. Let him do his thing. I, like, I'm tired of watching this boring hockey. Let Ghost loose. Let him rip. And if you lose game seven, just go win game seven. But, you know, easier said than done. But that's what I want to see tomorrow. I want to see some, some passion and emotion because Montreal's giving it to you. You know, they, Montreal has manhandled the Flyers physically. And I don't think the Flyers – see, you'll have a lot of people out there, oh, the Flyers can't match the intensity. They're not as uh, – you know, they're not physical. And it's true. Or why aren't the Flyers checking? The Flyers aren't that team. They, The Canadians are the strong – like they have, they have fucking Shea Weber. They got two monsters back there. Flyers don't have anybody that can um, – Stand up to them. Yeah, the unfortunate thing is losing Nicholas Abe Kubel because he really brought that intensity to this lineup. He's a very important part of our forechecking style. And I think losing him was a lot bigger than people realized. Luckily, mm-hmm. Connor Bunneman brings a very, very similar style. I love Connor Bunneman's game. He doesn't have the offensive ability that uh, Nick has, but you need that heavy forecheck. You need defensemen looking over their shoulder, expecting to get crunched into the boards. And I think they're missing that a little bit with Nicholas Albe Kubel out of the lineup. For sure, man. I love his game. I really do. He's like a bowling ball out there. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, Montreal Canadiens are missing the same thing now. You know, they're losing their biggest offensive threat outside of Thomas Tatar. They're losing the ferocity in their lineup. You know, they're losing the guy that's going to get under your skin all game and force you to take very stupid penalties. You know, Gall- you can't understate how big a loss Gallagher is for the Canadians. Yeah, I'm kind of interested to see how they're going to produ- uh, how they're going to get offense tomorrow. Because, uh, you know, before he got hurt, a lot of Montreal fans weren't happy with him. Then he scores yesterday, and now it's kind of like, well, who's going to score goals for Montreal now? You know, it's it's going to have to be Suzuki. Kakanyemi, you got you always have Weber back there with that bomb. Uh, Petri can pro, uh, can produce some offense. It's sure uh, not going to be Jonathan Drouin, you know the guy they they wanted to rely on for offense. He's looked absolutely yeah. terrible this series. Right, Drouin, and you have Domi playing on the fourth line. He looks like a shell of what you would expect him to look like. You know his most memorable moment in the series is you know spearing Kevin Hayes in the balls. I mean, Jesus. That was a rough. Yeah, one. it's going to be interesting to see. I think if the Flyers can score first tomorrow, even if they go up by a goal or two, which I think it's been rare. Like, they haven't been up by two goals at all this series except for the game they won 2-0. Yeah, they hadn't They hadn't got off to very good starts against Montreal. You know, an, interest, an interesting note is that the Flyers continue to come out with the fourth line at opening draw. And in the first 20 seconds of the game, the Montreal Canadiens have a high danger scoring chance each time. I think that's a trend I'd like to see stopped. Uh, I mean, obviously, the whole line shuffling thing the Flyers have done causes them to switch their lineup up a little bit and, you know, you know, get the matchups they want. But, uh, you know, you got to start with your big guns and you got to start hot. I know the Flyers whole game is to feel feel out, you know, get the pace, establish the forecheck and get going from there. But 
you've been playing this this team for five games now and you do not look like the dominant team yet so mm-hmm. you have to come out you have to come out hot and you have to assert yourself as the alpha male in the series i agree yeah what's crazy is i was very confident in the flyers heading into the playoffs and i still am but i almost had the feeling like they're gonna have to sneak out a win tomorrow kind of like they've done all series like two to one one nothing two nothing you know they've won every game and they haven't scored more than two goals in each win so the difference with tomorrow's and even last night's game was montreal it's win or go home so they have to kind of open up their play a little bit. And the Flyers, I think, took a 2-1 to lead last night with that five-minute power play, which, you know, we talking about it was pretty much a gift. Uh, so they're able to score twice. Montreal came back and scored two more times to make it 3-2. to I think it's very important for the Flyers to get out to a lead tomorrow. I want to see them leave that first period with a lead. Otherwise, I think we're in for another close one. I think if the Flyers can go up, Montreal's going to start opening things up you know, sending guys forward from the back and whatnot. And uh, we should see more fast breaks the other way than we've seen in this series. I'm thinking, so I put out a poll, uh, not a poll, but I I posed a question and maybe you can um, give your answer here. You remember, who do you think on this team could have a Mike Richards moment? Remember Mike Richards shift 10 years ago against Montreal? Oh yeah, I was there. You were? That was my first ever hockey game. Was uh, oh my god, are you kidding me? What the hell? What a game! Yeah, I was. I think I was too young to even know what was going on. But uh, shit, you'll never, you'll never forget that one, dude. Um, so who on this team could have a Mike Richards moment to you? You know, it's there's no player on this roster like Mike Richards. No, you know there there's no player like Mike Richards. You know he he took over that series. You know he was the alpha male. And, you know, he made it happen. Um, I don't think that's Klozeru's game. I think, you know, Klozeru can take over a series. He can have that moment. But I don't think he's going to have, you know, that stylistic moment that Mike Richards had. I think if any player was going to do such a thing, it's Kevin Hayes. And I'm sure you can give credit to Lawton as well. But, you know, Kevin Hayes can have that shift where he can, you know, he can rag the puck in his own zone on their penalty kill. He can start a rush by himself, dictate pace, protect the puck when two, three guys are trying to take it from him. Hopefully he's not matched up with Shea Weber in that moment. But uh, I I think he's capable of charging the net and just doing a power move. We saw it, I'd say, every game this season, Kevin Hayes attempt a highlight reel power move. And some went in, some he never got a shot off, but he tries it every game. You know, we haven't we haven't heard from him all series. You know, he's done it. He's done good in the PK. He's, you know, he's made some nice plays, but he hasn't been the Kevin Hayes we know. So I think this is a big moment where he could step up and provide, you know, that moment, that spark, and, you know, just put the dagger in the Montreal Canadiens' back already. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. Yeah, because we, we've kind of seen it from him during the regular season. I'm thinking of games like the Blue Jackets, uh, somebody else too. I can't remember exactly who it was. And he's starting to open up. He had, what, two breakaways yesterday? You know, he's yeah. starting to assert himself. And I think he's going to he, – he has the confidence now. He knows he could beat that defense. And this, you know, I think next game he does it. All right. Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that. You mentioned Claude Giroux. Now, I'm not ready to start ragging on Claude Giroux. I'm not because I'm a Claude Giroux fan, one of the all-time best flyers. But it's time. Tomorrow's the time for him to get on the score sheet with a goal. 
He hasn't scored yet since they began play again. And uh, you need him to score. Now, I know A.V.'s got him playing on the third line, but he's playing four or five minutes power play time almost every game, it feels like. It's time to get Claude on the score sheet. I think if he gets on the score sheet, they win, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting because Giroux is is a passer. He's he's always going to look for the pass as opposed to the shot. And, you know, it's great. He came up with a multi-point performance last game. I think it's awesome that, you know, he's getting his confidence back on the power play. But there is nothing like a Claude Giroux goal. Yeah. That, that fucking energy you get, you know, that feeling in your heart when you see Giroux score. And he doesn't celebrate. He just looks at the crowd and knows that he's that damn good. Yeah, he's and, like, that's fucking right. Like, I just yeah. did that. And, you know, he, he had some looks. You know, he's hit a few posts this series. He's taken the one-timer, which we love to see. You know, he hasn't taken as many shots as I'd like him to. He's passed up on a lot of opportunities. But I think I think tomorrow will be a great time for him to score a goal. Because, you know, if he scores, it's over. If, if Claude Giroux gets going in the goal-scoring category, Montreal doesn't have a chance. I would agree. I think it's going to happen. I'm feeling Gossespierre, feeling Giroux, Hayes. If those if those guys get it going tomorrow, it might really be six three. Might be that might be a good prediction there. We'll see who we'll see who's officiating. If it's anything like Chris Lee, I think uh, you're gonna get a multi point performance out of Giroux. Yeah, because he'll be on the power play for half the game, huh? <laughs> what else we uh, What else we got here, Josh? Uh I you mentioned uh, very very quickly that um, Claude Giroux is on the third line and. I want to really talk about that being a third line because I like Derek Grant a lot. You know, I watched him in Anaheim here and people love him. They call him the elite first line center and all that, all that jazz. But uh, he's a fourth line center. That's his ceiling is being a good fourth line center. But he's playing top nine minutes now. He's playing power play. He's playing penalty kill. And I just think he's playing above where he should be. You know, we're really struggling with, you know, not having Nolan Patrick and forcing Giroux on the wing. We're, we're thin at center now. And, you know, that Giroux, Grant, and Lawton line is not doing it for me. I would love to see that split up. Um, I, w- I wouldn't even mind Giroux playing center on that line. You know, I think if you have a choice between putting Grant in the middle, Giroux in the middle, and Lawton, Giroux's the guy you want in the middle. Those other two are not as strong as him at center. And, you know, if you're going to put him back at center, then JVR comes back in the lineup. You know, JVR, Giroux, and Konechny was a line that they went with for a long time this season. It would allow the Flyers to spread out the wealth in their lineup a little bit. I'm just, I'm not going to question AV. He knows a lot more than I do, but I'm not feeling that Giroux line. I think he's being really underused there. Yeah, it almost feels like a punishment to have him play third line left wing. For some I reason, think, I think, you know, he's played a little bit more of a checking game. And A.B. said, hey, if you want to play that game, if you don't want to shoot, I'm going to put you on a checking line. And I think it's sending a message to Drew. Yeah. You know what? That's a good point by you. That seems like something that A.B. would do to force him to shoot the goddamn puck, man. Who are you going to pass it to? Derek Grant? He's good, but he's not putting in every opportunity. Yeah. Like you're on the line with Grant and Lots. You're the guy. You're the guy that's got to score. Mm-hmm. Kind of like JVR on the fourth line, passing up scoring opportunities. Like, you're the guy, bro. Like, who are you passing a puck to? Yeah, that issue is, you know, JVR is not the play driver, and I don't know who else is taking the puck up. So J- JVR needs to play with other guys who can drive play, and that's why I'd like to see maybe Giroux in the middle, JVR on his wing. You know, if not, JVR playing with Hayes. You know, he needs someone who can do all the work, and he gets to sit in front of the net and cash in. 
Yeah, they can definitely do a lot down the middle. I'm looking at Coots, Hayes. Even if they move Lawton back to center at some point, they have a lot of mixing matching they can do. But I think, uh, yeah, they need to. As and as much as I love the way Nate Thompson's playing, uh, I'm not ready to blame that loss because there's guys out there blaming the entire game on him. Uh, I think he was on the ice for two goals against, and sure, it's bound to happen. Like he's playing a lot of minutes. Av trusts him. Just so happened two goals got scored on uh, his line last night. One was pretty bad, and it was right after the Flyers scored. I don't know. Maybe maybe one of those guys has to sit in Grant or Thompson. I'm not sure off the top of my head how Grant's uh, like intangible numbers look, like like shots, face-off, block shots, things like that. But I know that's th- been great. Yeah, Nate Thompson's Nate's doing okay. He's doing all right face-offs, blocking a ton of shots, plays physical. I haven't really noticed a lot of Derek Grant in this series. And, you know, who's to say maybe he doesn't take a seat for a game or so. Hopefully, I really hope tomorrow night's the night because I can't watch any more of this series, man. I really can't. It's like watching paint dry. It's it's really difficult to watch as a, as a, as a fan who loves the sport and then gets to watch St. Louis and Vancouver have this shootout that's just so entertaining. You know, I know the Flyers are capable of playing such high-level you know, made for TV hockey, and then Montreal's bringing out the worst in it. Yeah, yep, it's just slop. Like we're seeing four goals a game in the round robin, and now it's like Flyers have scored four goals in the last three games, and somehow won two of them. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, hopefully the floodgates open a little bit tomorrow night. Should be interesting to see what AB does with the lineup. Every, I feel like every other game, it's like that. What's AB going to do with the lineup? Who's going to play? Who's not? I like that he's lying to the media and just putting whatever line he feels like out there. I like yeah. that. He's I also I like that as well. Yeah, and he should be. I think Mueller might be doing the same thing. Like uh, they hand, who was it? J was it JJ that said they got the wrong lineup card or something like that? Most likely. I mean, I don't I think any remember. nobody knows what's going on in that bubble. So they you know they can do whatever they want to the media and to the other team. Yeah, for, that's for fools. That's funny, man. So. Hopefully we're talking about a 6-3 win next week. And uh looks like, a, what was the final score of that Islanders game? 3-1? So Islanders shot out the Capitals 4-0. Oh, my God. are advancing to the second round. And they look like a well-oiled machine. It looked a lot like uh, Montreal Philly stats. 21 shots for Washington, 17 for the Islanders. Oh, man. That's <laughs> You know, we're talking right now about not wanting any more of this. We're getting way more of it. Oh, my God. All right. So hopefully they get a win tomorrow and Jesus. All right, let's, uh, <laughs> we'll keep this exciting. We'll keep it positive. Flyers are going to win, go to the second round. They're going to face off against their rival, New York Islanders. And we'll be talking more next week. What else and we got? Claude Giroux comes alive against the New York Islanders. He has incredible numbers against that team. I think you're going to see a real energized captain for when they face the New York Islanders. He hates them as much as we do, I guess, huh? Just can't stand that team. Me neither. Like they're the Islanders. Like no, ah, whatever. Let's wrap up. <laughs> what else we? Uh, yeah, let's do. It. We don't have anything else, right? We had a great guest on tonight. Hope you guys enjoyed Marco Diamico. Make sure you check out his stuff there. Uh, follow him on Twitter at the Hockey Expert. Josh, where can people find you on Twitter, man? You can look for me at the Price Is Bright. D A Price Is Bright. It's a play on my last name. It's also the name of the podcast. So find me there. Like my tweets, as dumb as they may be. How many margaritas are you up to? 
six. <laughs> oh my God, you got a long way to go, I brother. I have 927 left. Hey, Flyers have at least one weekend game, so you can knock out a couple this weekend. I bartend on the weekends, so it's kind of it's kind of a difficult situation. Let All me right. say, I'm uh, I'm not super superstitious, but I've worked from home two times during these games, and we are 0 and 2. Oh, when shit. we don't work from home and I get to wear my jersey to work, we are undefeated. So and it's a win tomorrow. I work from home, but we'll see. You What's do? Up? Go to work. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> Go to work tomorrow, goddammit. <laughs> All right, boys and girls, we're going to wrap up. Uh, yeah, check out some of our shows. We didn't do an HW this weekend. We had some things, unexpected life events pop up. Uh, we had a Jimmy Dowd episode, a Jim and Jim episode coming out on Sunday. Uh, if you're listening to this now, it's probably Friday. So you have a couple days before that comes out. Uh, we'll be back next week with Full Circle, High and Wide, and HW with Derek Settlemeyer, and of course, The Bright Side. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll talk to you hopefully next week about a Flyers win. All right, peace out.